0: Eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven, thank you, dear Lord, for another opportunity for us to know you. We pray that as we study your word, you shall commit to us the knowledge of God that will lead us to be transformed into the same image. We pray, Father, for your spirit upon every one of us, and that your words shall be in my lips to bless all of us who would listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen That I may know him January 13 Love so amazing For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life John chapter 3, verse 16 having undertaken the work of man's redemption the father would spare nothing however dear which was essential for the completion of his work he would make opportunities for men he would pour upon them his blessings he would heap favor upon favor gifts upon gifts until the whole treasury of heaven was open to those whom he came to save having collected all the riches of the universe and laid open all the resources of his divine nature, God gave them all for the use of man. They were his free gift. What an ocean of love is circulating like a divine atmosphere around the world. What manner of love is this that the eternal God should adopt human nature in the person of his Son and carry the same into the highest heaven all the heavenly intelligences were watching with intense interest the warfare that was going on upon the earth the earth that satan claimed as his dominion every moment was big with eternal realities how will the conflict end the angels looked for the justice of god to be revealed his anger to be aroused against the prince of darkness and his sympathizers but lo mercy prevailed when the son of god might have come to the world to condemn he came as righteousness and peace to save not merely the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but all the world, every son and daughter of Adam who would believe on him, the way, the truth, and the life. What an exhibition of the love of Jehovah. This is love without a parallel. Our Redeemer determined on nothing less than that, through his merits, the love of God should be transfused through the soul that believes in him. As our life, the vitality of God's love is to circulate through every part of our nature, that it may abide in us as it dwells in Christ Jesus. United with Christ by living faith, the Father loves us as the members of Christ's mystical body, of which Christ is the glorified head. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Love So Amazing And here we continue to look more deeply at the character of God as we saw it yesterday We are told in the word of God If you are trying to find just a summary of who God is or what God is 1 John 4 verse 8 tells us God is is love and that love is what we are studying love so amazing John 3:16 explains the depth of that love for God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life in the love that is so amazing the first thing I would want to talk about that we see is a deep humility Part of the character of God that is revealed, that is still a part of love, is humility. Jesus said in Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It was humility and lowliness of mind that... The eternal father in Jesus portrayed when he left his divine nature, like we saw in the devotion, to take upon him human nature. God gave to us the free gift of his son. And we are asked what manner of love is this? And what does that love do? That the eternal God should adopt human nature in the person of his son and carry the same into the highest heaven do we understand what it means that god left his own original divine nature to take upon him human nature and took that human nature to heaven and jesus forever remains though in immortality though in incorruptible flesh but constantly in the human nature that is his humility there Philippians 2 verse 5 to it says Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God taught it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of men and being found in fashion of a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. This humility we need to understand the shameful treatment Jesus received to understand the depth of the humility. It's not just the taking of human nature, but the treatment that he allowed himself to pass through while he was here on earth shows humility. Another thing we see in this love that is so amazing is what I would call a prodigal generosity. In Romans 8 verse 31 to 34, we read the following. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, When I call it a prodigal generosity, what I mean is that God gave to us all heaven in Jesus Christ. And the question is asked, if he can give us his son, his own life, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We read something in the devotion that we should not miss in the last paragraph that said to us, Our Redeemer determined on nothing less than that through his merits, the love of God should be transfused through the soul that believes in him. So, for us, it is not just to see, oh, God is so loving and to keep talking about it. God wants that love to be transfused through we that believe in him to others. So, when we are talking about the humility of God, we are to show the same humility and that is the way it is transfused to others. We are to show the same generosity. We are to give all things to the, for the salvation of souls as the Lord did. He did not hold anything back and we should not think that anything is too expensive to spend for the salvation of souls for the cause of our Lord. When Mary had given an expensive oil, broke it and used it to anoint Jesus, the disciples and those who were around felt that she was wasting money and and judah spoke and said this was a great waste but jesus rebuked him and said let her alone she had done this to my burying and in speaking to simon he told him you didn't give me anything when i came here you didn't wash my feet you didn't do all these things for me but this lady has done it for me we should not consider anything because Judas and others who were there thought it was a waste of money to use that perfume merely to wash the feet of jesus A commentary on this in Desire of Ages, page 565, paragraph 4 and 5 says, that paragraph 3 to 5 says, the same want is evident in our world today. But few appreciate all that Christ is to them. If they did, the great love of Mary would be expressed. The anointing would be freely bestowed. The expensive ointment would not be called a waste. Nothing will be taught too costly to give for Christ. No self denial or sacrifice too great to be endured for His sake. The word spoken in indignation, to what purpose is this waste? Brought vividly before Christ the greatest sacrifice ever made, the gift of Himself as a propitiation for a lost world. The Lord will be so bountiful to His human family that it could not be said of Him that He could do more. In the gift of Jesus, God gave all heaven. From a human point of view, such a sacrifice was a one ton waste. To human reasoning, the whole plan of salvation is a waste of mercies and resources. Self-denial and whole-hearted sacrifice meet us everywhere. Well, may the heavenly host look with amazement upon the human family who refuse to be uplifted and enriched with the boundless love expressed in Christ. Well, may they exclaim, "Why this great waste?" But the atonement for a lost world was to be full, abundant, and complete. Christ's offering was exceedingly abundant to reach every soul that God had created. It could not be restricted so as not to exceed the number who would accept the great gift. All men are not saved, yet the plan of redemption is not a waste, because it does not accomplish all that its liberality has provided for. There must be enough to spare. Amen." amen and amen the love of god that is so amazing is what i just read now a waste is what heaven and the angels may say to a people who do not appreciate but the prodigal generosity like it says here one ton waste that the death of Jesus was on the cross of Calvary is not really a waste, but it may be said that it is a waste for those who do not appropriate his blessings. But this is part of the love that is so amazing, that Jesus is ready to die even if it were only one soul that believed on him. Another thing we see in this love that is so amazing, is something we talked about yesterday, it is mercy and kindness. If there's one passage that really baffles me, it sounds very common, but if you think about it, you would realize that this thing is really baffling. First John chapter 1 verse 9. The reality of that passage, the practicality of it is surprising. It is love so amazing. It says, "If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Sounds just like a normal text right but have you understood the depth of your sin have you sinned to the point that you realize i am worthy of death not just death but when you realize i am worthy of no good thing just like the prodigal son said to to his father let me just be a servant in your house have you come to a place where you see your sins and you know you deserve to be punished but yet What does God say is the solution? Just simply acknowledge it. And say, I'm sorry. Believe in Jesus and you're true. That's all. Can you imagine? That's all. This is what leads some in their religion to atone in penance for their sins they cannot get themselves to believe that such a mercy exists that is too merciful how can you say that after all i have done i should just say i am sorry and that's all confess my sin and then you forgive me no way i have to whip myself i have to chain myself up to the wall i have to use hooks on my spinal cord i have to nail myself to the cross i have to flog myself till blood comes out i have to punish myself in one way or the other i have to kneel and climb a step where jesus walked or i have to say some prayer hundred times just so that i can get forgiveness but no mercy says no and it says all you need to do is confess your sins and that's all to me this is love so amazing that i only have to see sometimes we just want to make ourselves feel that we have sinned and so we want to punish ourselves so that we say yes i've punished myself but god does not say you should do that All you need to do, confess, forsake it. Jesus will forgive and will cleanse you. Is that not loving? Are you not happy to hear that? That He's not telling you to punish yourself because you are ready. You are feeling no, 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 I need to punish myself. And, And he tells you, No, nothing of that nature. I have taken all your punishment. Just confess your sin and go. Go and sin no more. That's all. My brothers and my sisters, this is love so amazing. Did you sin this morning? Or are you in a state now where you are grieving over some iniquity that you committed? Dwell in the love so amazing. Don't enter into some self-righteousness feeling like you need to punish yourself for your sins. Jesus has taken the punishment. Humble yourself and accept it. Don't think you have to wait for some days in remorse so that you will not accept certain religious responsibilities anymore. Why? Because you are trying to punish yourself. That is self-righteousness. Receive the love so amazing because you cannot punish yourself enough. The only punishment that you deserve for your sin is death. Will you kill yourself? And if you do, you take your sins upon yourself because Jesus has already paid. It's what the one may call the wanton waste of his life though not a waste because it accomplishes something even though it doesn't accomplish all that its liberality has provided for my brother my sister wake up from your depression and take this text confess your sin and experience the love that is so amazing and your sins will be forgiven you without you punishing yourself though you can feel that god is good you can praise him. You can be joyful for what he has chosen to do in freeing you from your sins. But remember that you who have received forgiveness must be willing to give forgiveness to others. For Jesus says, if we do not forgive, neither will our Father in heaven also forgive us. Like we read in the Time of Know Him, page 19, paragraph 3. The angels looked for the justice of God to be revealed and you also are looking for that on yourself. That God is going to kill you. You think that when you are going to cross the road that God has is so offended with you that he's going to allow a, a bus to hit you or a vehicle to kill you in an accident. You enter a bus and you're afraid, Oh, I just sinned. Lord, please let us not have an accident in this journey. I just sinned with, against you last night or this morning. Angels looked for the justice of God to be revealed. His anger to be aroused against the prince of darkness and his sympathize. Which includes you and me, but lo mercy prevailed when the Son of God might have come to condemn the world that is you and me. He came as righteousness and peace to save not merely the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but all the world. I am not a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I am a partaker of that love that is so amazing to save every son and daughter of adam i am a child of adam every son and daughter of adam who would believe on him amen the way the truth the life What an exhibition of the love of Jehovah. This is love without parallel. End of quote. Let all of us say Amen. God is good and His love is indeed so amazing and we can bask in that love and the love ought to awaken love in us like the book of Romans chapter 2 tells us reading from verse 3. And thinkest thou this O man that judges them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. If we are really acknowledging and not despising this love that is so amazing, it should lead us to repentance. That's basically what is saying. So it's not just to rejoice, but let us be led to repentance. Reading from Bible Commentary, Volume 6, page 1097, paragraph 3 and 4, we are told, The matchless charms of Jesus, look to Christ, behold the attractive loveliness of his character, and by beholding, you will become changed into his likeness. The mist that intervenes between Christ and the soul will be rolled back as we, by faith, look past the hellish shadow of Satan and see God's glory in his law and the righteousness of Christ. Satan is seeking to veil Jesus from our sight, to eclipse his light, for when we get even a glimpse of his glory, we are attracted to him. Sin hides from our view the matchless charms of Jesus. Prejudice, selfishness, self-righteousness, and passion blind our eyes so that we do not discern the Savior. Oh, if we would by faith draw nigh to God, he would reveal to us his glory, which is his character and the praise of God will flow forth from human hearts and be sounded by human voices. Then we would forever cease to give glory to satan by sinning against God and talking doubt and unbelief. We should no longer stumble along grumbling and mourning and covering the altar of God with our tears." That is what will happen when we behold Christ. We will not be covering the altar of God with our tears because we will receive power from God. We will no longer give glory to Satan by sinning against God, but the goodness of God, the love that is so amazing as we behold it, will lead us to repentance. Our selfishness, our self-righteousness will go away and love will be awakened in us and it will make us to keep his commandments. And what is this supposed to lead us to do? To live the same life. First John 4 verse 7 to 12 tells us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein in his love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins beloved if god so loved us we ought also to love one another no man had seen but at any time if we love one another god dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us amen as we behold the love of god this love ought to be perfected in us. It's supposed to make us to love one another. And the only way that happens is by beholding Christ. is by knowing him. That is why we are studying this topic. That I may know him. Paul said that he wants to have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it's only by beholding him. By the time we dwell and meditate on this love, you will search your life and realize, I have made mistakes. I have not shown this kind of love to my brethren. I ought to do the same thing. The way God treated me, I ought to treat others. That's what will happen. Reading Bible Commentary, Volume 6, page 1098, paragraph 6 and downward, we are told, As one becomes acquainted with the history of the Redeemer, he discovers in himself serious defects. That's what happens. As you meditate, you compare your life with Jesus and you see serious defects. Going on, he says, his unlikeness to Christ is so great that he sees the necessity for radical changes in his life. Still, he studies with the desire to become like his great exemplar. He catches the looks, the spirit of his beloved master. By beholding, by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he becomes changed into the same image. It is not by looking away from him that we imitate the life of Jesus, but by talking of him, by dwelling upon his perfections, by seeking to refine the taste and elevate the character, by trying through faith and love and by earnest, persevering efforts to approach the perfect pattern. By having a knowledge, you see that important thing, the knowledge of God, by having a knowledge of Christ, his words. His habits and his lessons of instruction, we borrow the virtues of the character we have so closely studied and become imbued with the spirit we have so much admired. Jesus becomes to us the chiefest among 10,000, the one altogether lovely. Amen. This is so important for us. We have to look away from self and look to Jesus. Study Jesus. We have books today that can go more deeply and intricately into the character of Christ. The book called The Desire of Ages. But you must have a purpose in mind and do not be diverted from it as you study the Bible and even this book I mentioned. It You must have the purpose of discovering God's character. What was his response to this particular situation? How was he behaving when this person did this or did that? When he was here on earth like Jesus, how did he respond to this and that? As you catch the looks, as you catch the words, as you see the response of various situations, you repeat the same things and you are by beholding, becoming changed into the image you have so dwelt upon and the same spirit is revealed in you. But then, we realize that one thing that love does is that it must show itself to others. 1 John 4 verse 19 tells us we love him because he first loved us. But then how is this love shown? Verse 20 and 21. If a man say I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. Amen. So we all are recipients of God's amazing love and it would be a very terrible thing to repeat what Jesus told about in the parable of the unjust steward. The one who was forgiving plenty, but when he saw someone who was owing him very little, he could not forgive. Proverbs 28 verse 3 says, A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which liveth no flood. One who has received love, received mercy, long-suffering, patience, the forgiveness of God, but yet you refuse to give the same to others. You are like a sweeping rain that liveth no food. God has given you food. Why are you not sharing it to us? You have received forgiveness from God. Give it to others. God has been patient with you. Be patient with others. God has been long-suffering towards you. Be long-suffering with others. God has been kind to us. Let us be kind to others. This is the way of love that is expressed in the book of First Corinthians chapter 13 reading from verse 1 where Paul says Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have no charity I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have no charity I am nothing And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor And though I give my body to be burned and have no charity It profiteth me nothing Now let's listen Charity suffereth long these are the characteristics of love which we have received of god because god is love we have received all this from god but we are not to be like the poor man that oppresses the poor that is like a flood that sweeps and leaves no food What we have received of God we are to give to our brothers, because that's how we show we love God. Long suffering, charity, suffered long and is kind, it envieth not, it vaunted not itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away." And verse 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. I just want to read something from a commentary of Matthew Henry about these characteristics of love. The first one that says, Charity suffereth long. He explains, saying, Charity can endure evil, injury and provocation without being filled with resentment, indignation or revenge. Charity gives it power over the angry passions and furnishes it with a persevering patience that shall rather wait and wish for the reformation of a brother than fly out in resentment of his conduct. Is this not what we read about God? When angels were thinking we'll fly out in resentment over our bad conduct, what did they see? Long-suffering. What does long-suffering mean? It means to put up with many slights, neglects, bad things done to you from the person you love, but to wait and longing to see the kindly effects of such patience on him. The next one is about kindness and Matthew Henry writes, It is benign, bountiful, it is courteous and obliging the law of kindness is in her lips her heart is large and her hand open she is ready to show favors and to do good she seeks to be useful and not only seizes on opportunities of doing good but searches for them this is kindness it's not just to whenever you can when somebody comes to meet you you do good but to actually look for opportunities to do good god seeks for opportunities to bless us like we read about the angels they are just waiting to see who is going to pray for a deep understanding we want to give knowledge they don't need you to ask. They, they come to give it, even when you did not ask. And God does so many things for us, even when we don't ask. Charity suppresses envy. It envieth not. It is not grieved at the good of others, neither at their gifts, nor at their good qualities. And this is a very important one. Because sometimes we find ourselves grieved. We talked about envy when we looked at the mystery of sin. Envy is the basis of it, and we should be like we should, we should have charity. Charity is not grieved at the good qualities of others or their honors or their estates or their promotion or whatever thing they have. If we love our neighbors ourselves, we will be very distant from envying whatever thing is their property or whatever they have, or we will be far, and we will be far away from being displeased with it that we shall share in it and rejoice in it our brother's bliss and joy will be our joy their sanctification will be our sanctification we'll be happy with it instead of feeling bad instead of it impairing our joy it will increase our joy the prosperity of those to whom we wish well can never grieve us and the mind which is bent on doing good to all can never wish ill to any another thing about charity is that it is not proud and what does that mean it doesn't vaunt itself it's not puffed up it's not bloated with self-conceit it does not swell upon its acquisitions that's the pride of life when you swell because of the things you have the places you've been to the people you are connected with charity does not swell on the basis of these things charity does not build an identity for itself on worldly things and achievements it does not attribute honor to itself or power or respect which does not belong to it it is not insolent it is not apt to despise others or trample on them or treat them with contempt and scorn those who are animated with the principle of true brotherly love will in honor prefer one another. Romans 12 10, They will do nothing out of a spirit of contention or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind will esteem others better than themselves. Philippians 2 verse 3 True love will give us an esteem of our brethren and raise our value for them, and this will limit our esteem of ourselves and prevent the tumors of self-conceit and arrogance amen this is jesus replicated here this is love so amazing because he is the epitome of what it means to esteem others better than ourselves he did it and we are learning it from him and then again it says charity behaved not itself unseemly what does that mean in the same commentary it says charity is careful not to pass the bounds of decency this is a part of charity that people don't understand to be prognosing not minding your business charity minds its business Reading his commentary, it says, It does nothing indecorous, nothing that in the common account of men is base or vile. It does nothing out of place or time, but behaves towards all men as becomes their rank and ours, with reverence and respect to superiors, with kindness and condescension to inferiors, with courtesy and goodwill towards all men do you know that some people think that since we are all one under god and we are supposed to love one another we are supposed to be equal and they think that oh you should not respect those who are in position you should not treat those who are of a higher estate of the world presidents kings greet them the way they are supposed to be greeted with respect and those who are older than them there's no respect to say we are all one you don't know what love is you don't know what charity is like we are reading now you should know today This is the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to understand this, not to behave yourself unseemly, thinking that there is nothing like rank. It says here that charity behaves itself towards all men, has become their rank and ours. It treats with reverence and respect to the superiors, kindness and condescension to inferiors. That's another one. Don't think that because people are inferior to you, you treat them anyhow. Then again, it says charity is not for breaking order, confounding ranks bringing all men on a level, but for keeping up the distinction God has made between men and acting decently in its own station and minding its own business without taking upon it to mend or censure or despise the conduct of others, charity will do nothing. That misbecomes it. I love this. I love it. And the reason is because many misunderstand it. It says here that charity is not for breaking order confounding ranks. you know why i said so i love it in heaven there is rank and there's order in heaven and charity reigns there and the angels of god everyone keeps their estate who was it that left their estate the evil angels because they lacked charity in the book of jude chapter 1 verse 6 it says and the angels which kept not their first estates but left their own habitation, that's their position. God reserved them in everlasting chains and under darkness unto the great judgment of the great day. Charity does not do that. Breaking ranks and not following order, not following instructions, thinking that you will disobey those in the superior rank and treating those inferior as though they are not on your level, that is not charity. Angels, the evil angels in heaven, they lacked it and that was why they left their first estate and will not give regard and respect to whom they should give regard and respect. Then we see more about charity that it is an utter enemy to selfishness. It does not seek its own. That does not mean that it does not love itself because Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself. So there must be some atom of self-love in us to use to measure how we love others. But what this means is that charity never seeks its own to the hurt of others, says Matthew Henry, or with the neglect of others. It often neglects its own for the sake of others, prefers their welfare and satisfaction and advantage to its own, and it ever prefers the frown of the public, of the community, whether civil or ecclesiastical, to its private advantage. It would not advance, nor aggrandize, nor enrich, nor gratify itself at the cost and damage of the public. That goes to many people who are holding public office. Charity means that you will not damage the public, public funds and public facilities so that you can enrich yourself. There's no self-aggrandizement in charity. Then again, we hear that charity. It restrains its passions and tempers. It corrects its sharpness of temper, sweetens and softens the mind so that it does not suddenly conceive nor long continue a vehement passion. It is hard to be angry with those we love but very easy to drop our resentments and be reconciled. Where the fire of love is kept in, the flames of wrath will not easily kindle nor keep burning. I could go on and on, but I pray that God will help us to understand that the love so amazing displayed by Jesus Christ in his long-suffering, his mercy, his kindness and goodness bestowed in giving us his best gifts ought to be reflected through us, transfused to the rest of the world, that the rest of the world may experience love so amazing through you and through me. Let it not be said of us that there is something more we could do but we did not do it. Let it not be said of us that we did not love, but let it rather be said of us that we beheld Christ and we saw that love so amazing and as we caught his spirit and as we took, took note of his looks and his ways and his words, we also were transformed into the same image and through us, others experienced the love so amazing. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for your word which you have given to us today. Please, may this love so amazing be reflected through us. As we behold you more and more, we ask, Father, that we may be transformed into the same image, that the love and goodness that you have given to us will lead us to repentance, and we ourselves will be reflectors of your grace and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to god and be ready for his imminent return for more information and free online resources please visit www.tawas.org that is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org